This is the Banks of the Raritan Podcast, presented by Fans First Sports Network. Welcome to the Banks of the Raritan Podcast here on the Fans First Sports Network. As always, I'm your host, Greg Petuto, and I'm glad to be joined by new contributor Matt Forno. Matt, say what's up to the people. What's going on, Rutgers Nation? Happy to be here, happy to contribute, and looking forward to the future. Matt, happy to have you aboard. Done a great job so far. For all our listeners out there, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, uh, in, in terms of in terms of Rutgers, I was a student there, uh, graduated in 2017. So I was there for the inaugural Big Ten season. Very exciting. Uh, since then, you know, we've obviously seen some ups and downs, but uh, right now, you know, been 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 working obviously full time. But Rutgers has really been my passion uh, ever since I was an intern at Bank of America and discovered a. Uh, the world of high school recruiting and just kind of fell in love with it and have followed Rutgers football, Rutgers basketball, all different types of recruiting throughout the off seasons. And it's just been a, a really great journey, hoping for the best and uh, looking forward to some success in the upcoming year. Well, you're definitely in the right place and we're starting at the right time. Obviously football coming up in a couple of weeks. So we got a full show today and, but not too full. I'm looking forward to a couple of weeks from now when we finally got some game action to talk about, um, and, you know, not just talk about uh, the tailgates that we're looking forward to, which you discussed recently in one of your recent posts. And I got to say, uh, you got I think you nailed everything. I think you got to put Northwestern number one in terms of, of the home opener on a Sunday. I think that's got to be the number one game on the list. Yeah, I feel like, again, some of this was biased. Some of it was selfish. Me not being there, uh, very fortunate. I, my cousin just got married. He's taking his groomsmen out. Uh, as a thank you to a Mets game that Sunday at City Field. Never been to City Field, so I couldn't say no to him. You know, sometimes you do have to put family first. So selfishly, since I won't be in attendance, it should be a lot of fun, though. I mean, Labor Day weekend, a Sunday, you have that Monday off right before the start of the NFL season, too. Get your, you know, get the training wheels going before you start tailgating the NFL. So should be a lot of fun. I'm, I'm The first tailgate every single year is always great. It's uh, obviously warm. This is a noon kickoff, I believe, noon which kickoff, is great yeah. because the morning's typically cooler. Uh, you know, the, by the end of the game, you're probably going to be sweating, but uh, it should be fun. You know, that's obviously... Uh, start the win with not just going or start the year, not just going hopefully one and zero, but one and zero in the big 10. I'm not sure the last, I don't know if we've ever been one and zero in the big 10 since we've joined. So we can, we can say we're undefeated for the time being, which would be great, but obviously you don't want to look ahead to that Northwestern with their own issues. We don't, we don't want to just look ahead and assume it's an easy win. It's going to be a hard fought, hard fought, just like all the other big 10 games. So looking forward to that. I'll be watching on my phone from the stands of city field. So looking forward to it. Yeah. 2020 was the wonky year. They beat Michigan state in that first game game um of that 2020 season they turned oh, yeah. they turned the Spartans over seven times that was a, a crazy game to start um Northwestern I gotta say the tailgate should be crazy it should be a lot of fun for a couple of reasons uh first noon kickoff even though it's a Sunday you get to do your thing in the morning then you can still get home go to sleep if you want to watch the rest of the games whatever you got to do also it might be just me I love tailgating games that you think you're gonna win you know sure. and, and college a college tailgate is a college tailgate no matter what you know I'll wake up at you know, 7 a.m. to go watch a, you know, a noon game against Ohio State. But when you're going in against a team you think you can beat, there's got to be a little more energy. And I know I love doing that, whether it's, you know, college or the NFL. And and it really doesn't even matter what sport. Yeah, I think something else that's exciting is you have obviously week one against Northwestern, and then you can look forward to the next week, which is a night game against Temple. I mean, that's just what, what more could you ask for to start the year? And then, of course, Virginia Tech, which I had in the article, should be a great game for both fans. I think there'll be a good good, good contingent of Virginia Tech fans, some Hokies there. I know I'll be with some. 
Uh, so it should be a great three-game start to the season in terms of tailgating. The games we can obviously talk about later. It is a really good start to the season. Good scheduling this year for Rutgers, who they got to take a step forward. And I feel like through the spring, obviously through the summer, um, the time off, and then into training camp, you kind of get that tone. You get that feel that even Greg Schiano knows, you know, his fourth year back. He's got his full slate of guys back in the locker room, back on the team since returning to Rutgers for a second stint. This is the year they kind of got to show a little improvement. Now, I'm not saying, obviously, win eight, nine games, you know, win the East, anything like that. But they got to be in position, in my opinion, to get to a bowl game. And we we got to see him for the first time on the field on Saturday in the first scrimmage. And it was about what you expected. You know, the offense was, was slow. Um, they got out of the gate slow. The defense is, is far ahead. But... What stuck out to me is is Greg Schiano's press conference after. It was very short um, when he's usually a little longer-winded in, in press conferences with the media. And there wasn't a lot of coach speak, as people say, you know, a lot of cliches that some coaches use. His answers were very short. And I don't know about you. You can tell me if I'm wrong. I'm, I look at that opposite of everybody else in, in the sense of I like that he seems to be a little more annoyed this year. I, I see a little more edge um, with Shiano, especially coming after that first scrimmage. Makes me think that Rutgers kind of won't settle for the medi- mediocrity that we've seen over the years. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I much rather him speak candidly, be honest. You know, I feel like the last, uh, definitely last season, like we, we never should have found ourselves, I feel like, in a situation where we were regularly rotating in three quarterbacks at any given point during the game. So, you know, I think this first step before this first scrimmage was just getting that announcement of Gavin Wimsett being the starter. And then we get to focus on him on in practice. And we, if he's struggling, you know, they're, it's going to happen. I mean, yes. I mean, I always, I kind of look at him as a, as a, I guess a third year player. He's kind of hard to categorize because of when he came to the, when he came onto the banks as still a high school senior, but is this his third year? I think I was somebody who kind of was like, all right, Greg Shano got his guy. We're going to see, he's going to come in day one and it's going to be lights out. And the college game is different than the high school game. And I feel like Wimstat was a big point of discussion during his opening or his first, after the scrimmage press conference. And if he'd struggled, I'd rather him say that and not just kind of, or I don't think he necessarily struggled. He just, there were points where he could have improved and he spoke about that. And I think that's fine. I, I like honesty. And it sounds like Wimstat on, on another note wants to take leadership, wants to be more of a vocal leader and, Let's show that in practice. Let's show that in the offseason. We we're, what, three weeks away from the season? Like, be the leader, be the guy. And with Shiano, you know, I hate to say it, but, like, yeah, this is year four. The first year was very strange, being that it was a shortened COVID year. Uh, but the last two years, you know, defensively, I, I feel like last year was a great – there was the, the first half of the year, great step forward. But now it's like Shiano needs to show him that what he means to chop. And I, I want to see – I want to see him – take point of that and and he's got his guys on the staff now so hopefully we can keep that shuffle steady uh but yeah i think that shano should probably be aware that this year needs to be the year where five wins i feel like people will categorize it as a disappointment based off of who's on the schedule obviously it's tough but i think uh everybody including myself wants to, wants to get to that bowl game even if it's like the whatever the gasparilla bowl whatever they're called now you know let's uh, let's get there let's play bowl. there in december playing in any bowl yeah. would be a win this year and, yeah. and naming Wimsat the starter, you mentioned it, I think was a huge step forward too. I mean, not that it was ever in question. It, it was it was known that he was going to start this year. It would be the wrong decision for him not to. But you, there's plenty of people who thought he should have started last year. And it took so much time to get to that point. 
and uh, the rotating quarterbacks. But I just wanted to pull my hair out. Like that Boston College game, they had three different players take the first three snaps of the game to go three and out. And that kind of set the tone for the rest of the season. But even just naming Wimps at the starter right away brings that consistency, that um, solidification that they need under center. Like, all right, this is our guy. We know who we're moving forward with. So even that's just a step in the right direction. Um, you know, fans, I don't think they can expect, obviously, Rutgers to just come out and, you know, Kirk's rocket to just turn things around right away after the first scrimmage. Yeah, definitely. And one note on Boston College, I was at that game. One of my favorite moments of the year, uh, the, the Rutgers fan base there, that was awesome. But I feel like everybody in the stands, just like myself, was was on the edge of their seat. I was sitting towards the opposite end zone where the first drive was. And you're trying to squint and see who the quarterback that rolls out. And if I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure it was Johnny Langan. I did not. I mean, obviously, we knew Johnny Langan could be that guy, like, come in for those gadget-type plays. But for the first play, offensive play of the 2021-2022 season, saw Johnny Langan roll out. I was like, I don't know what we're in for right now. Like, And I feel like that goes back to kind of like the Shiano not naming a guy or kind of being – secretive about who's going to be the guy and it's like what the heck Johnny Lang gets out here like I wonder what's going to happen they're probably going to run it up the middle with them and I'm pretty sure that's what happened so it seems like we went away with that as the year went on but then I think even after uh what's his face um well, I, the offensive coordinator I can't believe, I'm, I'm kind of happy I blacked him out of my mind Sean Gleason um, last year yeah, yeah Sean, Sean Gleason, Gleason. um I, yeah, I think after the first him. Yeah, the first game after in Indiana, I still feel like there was a little bit of rotation. I know Vedral played there, but we couldn't get away from that. But by the end of the year, you know, Wimsat was obviously the guy, and then there were some injuries. But yeah, I think that um, it's 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 definitely a step in the right direction. He was always going to be the guy, but now I feel like you know we know the quarterback, but there's still a lot of questions up in the air for who's going to play wide receiver. You know, I think the running back position. I'm kind of like there's so many guys that can play. Obviously, we know Sam Brown. I think is the most talented of the group. Uh, I remember walking past him in the spring game. He looks, he's a grown man. I'll tell you that at 18, 19, however old he is. Uh, I mean, but, but yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of other areas. I feel like that still have question marks on. And I'm looking forward to hopefully the next couple of weeks, maybe this week we get some answers. Yeah. The, the question marks are, they're piling up and you're not going to get answers. I don't even think against, you know, Northwestern, obviously, maybe not until that Virginia Tech game or even, you know, the week after until Big Ten play really kicks in. That's why I like the schedule, the way it kind of um, the way it opens up. You know, you open that game against Northwestern, who who's still a Big Ten team, obviously, but they're very down with everything they got going on. And that gives Wimsack kind of time to get his feet under him. It, it was it was just very strange last year. Like the the play calling was obviously bad. And that's the main reason Gleason was let go. The, just the lack of creativity and obviously production. It was one of the worst displays of offense that we've seen. Um, but even just, you know, Evan Simon coming out there and, and Noah Vedral when he was healthy, like very, very strange situation when realistically Wimsack could have got a little more experience last year to be ready for this season. But that might be what they're doing this year to prepare him for years forward because he's still got a couple years left, obviously. So it's going to be interesting to see how he kind of takes this role and improves on the fly while the team is also expected to, you know, take that next step. That's why I always thought last year was the time for him to get his feet wet because nobody was expecting much last year. You know, the season was kind of season was out, season was done. Even coming in, like you know, four wins, five wins, maybe on a great year was kind of what the team was expecting. 
Definitely. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I always say like I kept I kept my my goals for the past two year and I, I had these like weekly streams on, on YouTube that I try to do for my friends. And I always would kind of set goals before the season of what I would expect. And I always expect I always wanted us to start the year three. You know, you, know, you get get your one power five conference win uh, and then the two other typical, you know, at a you know, we'll call it for lack of a better word, cupcake game. Uh, I always wanted to start the year three, you know, and I still think that's possible this year, but I think that figuring out the team early on and avoiding whatever we went through last year to repeat again, in terms of just not knowing what we're going to be doing offensively, getting those questions answered, hopefully after, I mean, again, like you said, maybe not after Northwestern and then of course Temple, but you know, we struggled against Temple last year. Our offense that was oh, yeah. one of, that was oh, yeah. that was if it wasn't for Shaquan Loyal's touchdown, we probably might have lost that game. Like it was it was tough. And then again, Virginia Tech, I'm familiar with them. Uh, my, my fiance went there, so I'm very familiar with the program. And that's a team that might have more to lose than us because of who they are as a program and the history that they've had the last 20, 30 years. I mean, people may forget that they, they did play in a national championship game. This is a program where people are very passionate about it. So you know, keep that game circled because I think we'll get some more answers. Their defense is—they always find a way to be competitive. But you know, we get to that week three game, we're two and zero. It's—it's important for both teams. You know, they both teams are going to have the same goals in minds of figuring out what they are offensively and and if their quarterback is the guy. You know, they—they they have a transfer guy, but you know, ours is—we'll call it homebred. But you know, he's—he's he's from Kentucky, obviously. But he's been with us now for three years. He, everyone's expecting to be the guy. You know, let's let's see it happen. I agree, and we're gonna. We're going to touch on the schedule, you know, a little later um, as we get closer to to the season opener. But I agree that Virginia Tech game has been one I've had circled since the since the schedule came out for the reason of if the, if Rutgers wins that game, hopefully being three and zero at that point. Just because of the program they are, like you mentioned, that's a huge win for Rutgers. No matter where the game's played, no matter what state uh, Virginia Tech is in right now as a program, and they're down, you know, they, which is. I'm seeing it as a win for a lot of by a lot of people, you know, predicting Rutgers to go out and win that game, you know, on their home field, which would be huge. Three and zero, and then you kind of, you know, you go you go to Michigan, you go to Ann Arbor, you take your lumps there, but still happy to be three and one, and then you come home for Wagner. So I think a four and one start is something a lot of Rutgers fans would take, especially with all the question marks that they have, and people forget implementing a new offensive um, system with Soraka with basically a new starting quarterback. It's not an easy thing to do. Yeah. I, 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 and you touched on playing Wagner uh, week five after Michigan. And I think that's, I don't know how we were able to get that type of scheduling in place. I feel like at, once we're done with our easy games, it's, early on. yeah, it's usually just like a gauntlet. Uh, and for, to have them in between Michigan and Wisconsin, two teams that can beat up any team that they want to play with the way their offensive line, their run game is. But, I, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not getting ahead of myself here. It doesn't seem like, uh, what's his face, uh, Harbaugh is going to be suspended. He, who knows? Who knows what his plan is? Um, I don't, I, will it, will it probably, would it matter ultimately? Probably not. But, you know, I, I feel like we typically, we fare okay. I'm, obviously, we don't win, so I don't know how well we fare. But when we go to Ann Arbor, like the last time we did in 2021, like, we were in position to, I don't know if it was win or tie. I think it was to tie it, and we had that fumble on the last drive. But Rutgers completely outplayed a college football playoff team at home in the second half of that game. And if it wasn't for some questionable uh, coaching 
plays uh, towards the end of the the second quarter of that most recent game in Ann Arbor. Who knows what the what the score would have been? Do I think we would have won? Probably not. But the team did a great job shutting down a, a tremendous running attack, specifically Blake Corm, in the second half. So again, the team's better than they were two years. Well, I don't know if they're better than they were two years ago. They were college football playoff team, but they're still a top four team right now. They're number two, I think, deservingly so. Uh, and you know, I, I, I it's it should be fun. I mean, it's never easy going to the big house against a team like that that's only improved. Uh, since the last five years but you know as as the schedule progresses I think it's kind of we don't run into that gauntlet of like I feel like there were seasons where it would go like Michigan Ohio State Penn State like all in a row like it's there's tough games obviously on the schedule but it's kind of broken up you know we, we go after we after Wagner it's Wisconsin Michigan State and then Indiana now it's on the road but like at least it's not Ohio State, you know, like yeah. we kind of get it broken up and, and we can talk more about the schedule, but you know, it's obviously challenging, but I think that some of the format of it is, it can be in our favor. Yeah. You're going to run into a gauntlet no matter what, just with it being the big 10, obviously this one comes, you know, Ohio State, Iowa, just cause it's on the road. Um, and it really depends what their off Iowa's offense looks like at that point. I know they got, um, Cade McNamara transferred in, I believe there. So I, they're trying to figure things out there. Penn State, who people are talking about as, you know, could they be, be a national championship team? And then Maryland has just – and that's the game that's probably got to be – it's got to bother Rutgers fans so much because Maryland has just looked so much better um, since losing to Rutgers in 2020. They've just looked so much better over the past two years. And, and really, I don't see that being any different this year. They're very – Mike Loxley, he's really recruited an athletic team, a tough team. You know, they've been playing physical football. Um, they're not at that level to win a Big Ten title or compete for anything, in my opinion. You know, they'll win seven, eight games, go to a bowl game. But they've really just had Rutgers' number. And I know uh, fans aren't happy with that rivalry going that way. <laughs> yeah, I, it's to me, it's like Maryland, When if you look at all their athletic program holistically from top to bottom, you know, let's put football aside – they're, they're great. They have a lot of good programs. Yeah, sure. I was there on campus. Like they have the investments. Uh, I don't know what it is about with their football team though, because I feel like they always have great talent. They're always doing well recruiting, obviously where they are in Maryland. They have a lot of great talent in state talent. A lot of it similar, similar to New Jersey and Rutgers. Like they, they do get poached by Penn state, by Michigan, by Ohio state, and obviously all the other great schools. So that we, we kind of fall into the same, uh, we, we kind of are victims in the same way, but when it comes to playing them at the end of the year, I don't know if it's because it's after Thanksgiving, the players are checked out, but the last two games and, and last year was worse than 2021. It's just a, there were times, I think the first two or, or maybe that there were two drives of the first half of last year's game with, we forced a fumble as Maryland's going down the field and you're like, Oh, we got the momentum back. Like maybe we can get back in this. I, mean, I don't even know if they scored in the first drive and we just like, it, it, it's flat from the beginning. And that's where, you know, as much as I want to, it's easy to blame, you know, the, the quarterback or the offense, but it's games like that where I want to see Greg Shano actually, when he talks about chop, like, let's finish the season. Let's let's chop through the rest of this year. And we have not seen that the last two years. Now, the 2021, they did put up a bit of a fight in the second half, but we get outplayed against Maryland at the end of the year the same way we get outplayed against Penn State, Ohio State, like, year after year. It doesn't make any sense. Like, yes, 
there might be more talent on that team, but I don't think top to bottom they're anywhere near to what the teams that also we typically have a hard time against. So that's a game I'm, I typically never look forward to. It's at home this year, so hopefully maybe things are different, but that game specifically just haunts me. Like it never, it always leaves a poor taste in my mouth. Obviously 2020 was different, but even that was a dramatic ending. And uh, Tylea uh, Tungavailoa didn't play that game like miraculously like something happened beforehand so yeah we got a little lucky there but took a game-winning field goal i think in overtime to win that so i don't think it should be that close year after year but we should not be getting blown out every year i think by by a team like maryland no disrespect to them i think they've they've done better in football since they joined the big 10 but it shouldn't be the gap shouldn't be that wide and that 2021 game too i think both teams were five and six at that point um And it was to get into a bowl game. And it was just, you know, it was a route early on. And that could be the same case this year. Not for Maryland, you know, assuming they're going to win six games before um, the last game of the year, obviously. But for Rutgers, unless they win both of my swing games, um, which is Virginia Tech, I mentioned, and homecoming against Michigan State um, are my two swing games. And that's, again, assuming they beat Indiana, who they've had their number, um, whether it's home or away. But then again, it's like, can you look at, Rutgers winning both of those games, beating Indiana, and we're sitting here on October 21st going into a bye week, and Rutgers is 6-2. and two. Like, that seems like an alternate, an alternate universe at that point. Like, I'm not – that's what that's the only thing that's made me second-guess. All right, can Rutgers win these swing games? <laughs> yeah, I, I do think, to be completely honest, I think that uh, the defense if, – if, if we just had to put our defense out on the field – against all of these swing games, like you were saying, and all of the winnable games. When you look at the schedule of the games, hey, I think I think Rutgers may not be favored, but it could be close or they win it. Like I think if you were to just put our defense out on the field for those games, I really do think that we end up on top. But that's the problem. Like If our defense is on the field less time than our offense, we're probably going to be in good shape to win the game. Our defense was just on the field all the time last year and they did great they would they they, for a while it was Ben don't break and then eventually obviously we broke I mean I look at a game last year like against Minnesota like I feel like our offense didn't do much that Minnesota just ran the ball held it the entire game like 90 yards like it felt like 90 80 yards each drive because the defense was just gas they couldn't get off the field and you know that was that was just a demoralizing game if Rutgers can find a way to do that offensively where you know Sam Brown is carrying the ball averaging four yards a carry five yards a carry and the offensive line can really get the gets uh, some great run blocking up front and control the clock. And I I could be wrong here, but I don't believe the clock is stopping after first down. So the game will move along a little bit quicker and the defense will hopefully get some breaks, some time on the, on the sideline. So a game like Michigan state, we control the ball. We, or we control the clock. We don't turn over the ball. And that goes for all these games. Yeah. It's a lot more winnable. I mean, Michigan state, the last time they came to Piscataway, it was also homecoming. And I feel like we were in that game, except for like three or four plays that were all like 90-yard, 50-yard touchdowns. Besides that, Rutgers was playing really well, but they let up these big plays. And thankfully, in 2022, they cut down on those big plays. We weren't allowing these chunk 50-yard-plus plays. We lim- I think we were limited to just a, a handful, which is great, but yeah, we need the offense to stay on the- that team back Yeah, in, uh, exactly. Back in 2021. And, and I, you, it's just crazy to think where Michigan State was and where they are now but yeah that's that's not going to be a, a cupcake game for them and hopefully it being homecoming will get people inside the stadium have a home field advantage and, and make a difference so let's let you know and again 
we're coming after we're, we're, we're playing Wisconsin before that again, Wisconsin, new quarterback, uh, new coach. I'm excited for Wisconsin, but that's a game that always scares me just because they can just beat you up, beat you up and, and, and pat you on the back and lift you up and just, yeah. And, and they just get bigger. Yep. And you're right. I, just, I like Wisconsin too. What they, they bring it in Luke fickle. That's, I mean, it seems just like the perfect hire, um, okay. for them and what they want to do. You know, and Rutgers, the defense, as you mentioned, if they're able to stay on the sideline, obviously that goes hand-in-hand hand with the offense. And that was another positive from the scrimmage, if you could pick out many. Again, Wimsett, you know, inconsistent, inaccurate, which was a problem last year. Um, but as he plays more, you know, he's got to work those kinks out, which is fine. Again, it's to be expected. But the offense looked a little slowed down. It looked a little simple, which is a good thing. You know, nobody said it has to be difficult. You know, football has to be difficult. Um, there, there were some rollouts. They were throwing a couple screens, um, short yardage situations on third down. I think Rutgers is going to be much, much improved, and that obviously goes with the running with the run game. If they can get into third and short and put themselves in a position, and that running back room is deep, and I, I don't know how they're going to use it and what they're going to, what they're going to scheme for all these running backs. But it is a deep group, and they all seem healthy. Yeah, I agree, and it's like I. It's not the same argument of like when you have like multiple quarterbacks, you have no quarterback. Like you need you need to have the guy with running back. You know, obviously, I think everybody is on board with Sam Brown. I mean, he he pretty much proved it last year as a true freshman. Just the what he was able to do in certain games, yeah, win or lose. And then when we lost him, what happened? It was just a disaster. Um, but I look at someone like Aaron Young. He's been with the program for so long, uh, and he's done great. He's battled through injuries. This, I'm just I'm just happy that he wasn't a victim of or, or we weren't a victim of the transfer portal to lose him. For him to stick around is promising because he he's a, he's another big body back um, and he's also a great receiving back. Uh, and get, we were talking about that Michigan game where we we almost you know we were fighting in it. Remember he had a touchdown in there. He might have had a, a touchdown also against uh, Michigan State. I think this past year. Uh, you know, I'm glad he's there. And then, of course, Kyle Manunga, like he's shown that he, he he has he's had flashes. But my personally, my, the running guy I enjoy the most watching is Al Shadi Salam. He's just mm-hmm. lightning quick, Speed. very fast. I'm excited to see what he can do. Uh, but like I said, yeah, so many guys. Uh, but one thing that I also wanted to point out to you said is it's offense looked a little bit simple during the first scrimmage. It also looked pretty simple during the spring game, which was the only time that I personally got to watch the team live. And it was almost exciting that it was so simple. Like we were seeing plays like, wait, that was a, that was a slant or that was a five yard out or a, a tight end cross across the middle. Like easy throws for the quarterback. I feel like haven't been called the last couple of years. We were like using the, we were giving the defense, I feel like a free defender on so many plays where they just had to, we were throwing impossible balls to receivers to catch that our quarterbacks just, that's all they could do. That was the only reason. And we, we saw that against like Nebraska when Evan Simon threw that interception. Like we didn't need to be passing that. And why did it need to be so far downfield there? Like simplify the offense for our quarterbacks to build confidence and then open it up. And one thing I hope the offense doesn't happen is I love Johnny Langan. He's done great for the program. He cannot be our leading wide receiver this year. Like our, our it can be a tight end, but like yeah, can't be a former quarterback that runs the ball really well. We need I, a leading receiver. <laughs> I've been asking for, for years. I said Johnny Lagan can't lead the team in carries. Oh. And, and this year he can't be the number one receiver. And realistically, I think he's going to have a big year. I do. But they need somebody else to step up. And whether it's, you know, Aaron Young out of the backfield, he's got he's to catch a lot of balls in my opinion. Because last year I think Rutgers had 15 catches um, from running backs combined all season. And that's just something that has to improve. And even, even receiving – 
Um, you know, Sean Ryan's gone. Crookshank's gone. You know, just losing these guys. Shameen Jones is gone. Just losing these guys. Um, Chris Long's a name that has to step up because he's got deep ball ability. Um, Jaquay Jackson, you know, he's going to be worked into the offense as a transfer. Guys like that. And and the tight end room, I'm kind of curious to see if they can get more from just them as a whole. Not even just Johnny Lagan, you know, talking Sean Bowman as a transfer or Victor Kanopka's back and he's healthy and he's a big dude. I think he's the biggest one they have, maybe 6'8". Um, yeah. If they can get more just as a whole and kind of use their their depth. And I'm not saying it's quality depth yet. We don't know if it is. It might be. But just using the bodies that they have out there just to, you know, stay fresh almost. Yeah, and, and speaking of the tight end room, I mean, I'm looking at the roster right now. Our, our smallest guy in terms of weight is 240, Evan Ward. And our shortest guy is 6'2", uh, Kair Price, who I think was a converted defensive lineman. Uh, so, like, the, the room, the, the tight ends are big. Like, they're, they're big guys. Like, and maybe that maybe that bodes well for the running game if it doesn't for the passing game, so that's great. But, yeah, the receivers, I feel like we have uh, – there's some guys with some like, explosiveness. I don't know how much downfield explosiveness we have, but you know, someone like uh, Max Patterson or even uh, Rashad Rochelle. I don't know, and, and maybe this is a turn to special teams. But you know, we, we talked about losing Kirkshank and Sean Ryan, and Sean Ryan had a great showing in his first preseason game for the Ravens. Uh, so shout out him, great job. Uh, but like, I look at replacing Kirkshank and who's going to return punts, who's going to return kickoffs. I feel like it might be one of them, and it, it definitely might be uh, Rashad Rochelle. I'm, I'm not sure. I haven't heard much about special teams, but that is another spot that Rutgers has turned to to flip the field, get them in good field positions to benefit the offense. So I'm interested to see what happens there as well. But, yeah, the, the receivers, I think we're going to – people are going to be surprised with, oh, who's that, who's that? And, and maybe one of those guys is, like you said, Jaquay Jackson, who I've, I've heard a lot of great things about. But, you know, we obviously have to see it at, at, on the Big Ten level. You know, you could, everyone could be as great as they are in any other conference. But when it comes to, to producing, it's, it's certainly different and harder uh, at this level. So, yeah, I think there's a lot, we're going to see a lot of new names on offense catching the ball. But running the ball, we're, we're definitely going to be familiar with all those guys. The offensive line as well is another question mark. You know, really all the question marks to me are on the offensive side of the ball, obviously. That's to be expected. Um, you know, they return three starters. Holland Pierce is, is likely going to move to the left side to play left go, uh, left tackle. Um, Curtis Dunlap should stay. Curtis Dunlap Jr. should stay in this spot in left guard. Um, and Ireland Brown, you know, locked in as your center. They might mess around a little bit with Dunlap and some other options um, at that guard position, but – that seems like a solid thing. Plus, you got to keep that left side um, together, in my opinion. The right side could be could be a question again. You know, is it going to be Tyler Needham that steps up, or you know, somebody like that? Um, and will they move to the left side? So it'll be interesting what they do there. But I see Holland Pierce obviously playing left tackle. He has a great story, and the yep. progression that he's been able to to make at Rutgers is just incredible. And Ireland Brown really the second most important position along that offensive line at center is a big piece coming back. So if they're, if they're able to gel as well and give five guys, um, you know, consistent play, which Greg Shano wants to do, he said he should have a, a core group of five that plays majority of the time, kind of sub in, sub out on a need to basis. You know, that's huge for the offense too. really just the whole dynamic of the offense, whether it be running the ball or protecting Wimsett, who's going to need that as a, as a first year starter, basically. Yeah, I agree, and I, I, consistency along the offensive line is, is is crucial. I mean, as much as you play your individual position, you're a unit. You need to all be on the same page. I, that's all. I played a, 
I played I played guard and a little bit of center throughout my high school time and it's 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 an underappreciated position and when you, when things go wrong everyone points to the offensive line and it's 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 challenging it's hard but at least finally we have that size like we have big 10 caliber looking linemen now will it will it translate to performance on the field who knows but i mean you talked about holland pierce and i know that again his story uh is is tremendous but the fact that he he i'm going to tell you his weight and then i'm going to tell you that he like lost 100 pounds like he's six eight 345 and he used to be bigger how that's possible how i, I have no idea but it's a true story uh look into that and he's also from uh trenton which you know i'm from mercer county so shout out mercer county that's great uh but yeah i think that the offensive line now i can't remember last year but i feel like there was a lot of shuffling going on it wasn't consistent yeah. and it wasn't due to injury i think prior years there were some injuries where we needed to shuffle guys in but at least there's people there's guys in the field that have big 10 uh experience they have snap, they've taken snaps, but, but again, some of the best defensive lines in the country. So hopefully, you know, if, if pass blocking is there, but we got to be able to establish the run. And I think with, with the big boys up front, I think it's it should be it should be possible this year. Just literally fall down and, and you're going to be too heavy to pick up from the defensive line. So looking forward to watching them uh, in, in depth as the year progresses. Shadow touched on that, too. It wasn't, uh, you know, the game plan in recent years to shuffle as much as he did along the offensive line it was kind of just out of necessity whether it be injury or, or guys not being fresh or just you know this guy was better than this guy did but he said he hopes to have uh that core group of five up front which would make a huge difference we do have a kicker it, it, we got we got the first win uh, of the preseason battles he said jay patel you know is kind of is winning that job and you know that's that's cool to see i covered him in high school you know south brunswick um and he had a boot in high school his senior year. There's very few guys you see in a high school football game kicking, you know, 40, 45 yarders um, consistently. Coaches just at that point, you know, we're going to go for it. We're going to run it up the middle, see what we can do. But they were running him out there, no problem. So that's our that's our first win of the training camp. We got a kicker. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and you know, obviously kicking in college is, is it, it, it's it's always, it can go either way. Who knows oh, what's going to happen. Miss. It happened in the in the college football playoffs for Ohio State. A great kicker just completely airmails it, and it's one of the worst kicks you ever see uh, watching a college game. But this is a kid I, I remember. He committed. He committed early. Uh, I guess his class was this previous one. The class was twenty twenty three, and he was all in. I mean, I saw him in in uh, on social media. I saw him uh, hanging out with recruits. Like that's good. That's great. Good for him. And now he has this spot. And you know, another thing against uh, Jude. Um, Mac McTamani, I always have a tough time saying his name, you know, the Irish lad. I'm, I'm, ha- I'm happy he's still on the team, but he was just, he had a leg, but then when we got closer, it seemed like he lost, he lost all accuracy. So being able to put three points on, on the board a little bit more consistently should hopefully help with, with Rutgers just staying closer into games. Um, I, and I know we just touched on special teams and we mentioned keeping your offense on the field so the defense can get a rest, but the defense has some depth, at least in the front seven. The secondary, just because we lost so many guys, like there's going to be depth, but less experience. But the front seven, uh, there's going to be a lot of rotating pieces in, and not because players are playing poorly, just because let's get fresh legs in there and get after the quarterback and stop the running backs. I'm really, really excited to watch the front seven play this year. Before we get to our interview with Chris Eisman from Gannett to talk some Rutgers football, we'll take a short break. We are now joined by Chris Eisman of Gazette of Gannett, excuse me, to talk some Rutgers football. Now the training camp has got started, and we do have a scrimmage under our belt, so a lot to discuss here. Chris, how are you today? 
I'm doing well, Greg. How are you? Doing well. Excited to uh, to get football season back underway, that's for sure. And we were able to see Rutgers on the field for the first time on Saturday um, in a scrimmage setting. And before we get to the team, I want to talk about Greg Schiano a little bit because, to me, his, his post-scrimmage um, interview with the media was very telling. Um, he's usually a little longer with the media. Um, people have said coach speak in a way, you know, use some cliches, all that. Didn't seem to be any of that after the scrimmage. He seemed to voice his um, displeasures and his, you know, his opinion, his true opinions when it came to especially the offense. That seemed very telling to me. Is it fair to say that you could kind of see how he's not going to accept um, the mediocrity this season, I should say, especially on the offensive side of the ball? You know, a few things about that because I, I think it's interesting, and I, I I saw the reaction to the to the um, press conference, and I thought it was kind of funny because number one, you know, people in recent seasons have been saying, "Well, Shiano doesn't say enough." You know, he just kind of says the same bland stuff over and over again. Well, now he says stuff, and he's open, more open than he had been, and people are like, "Well, why is he saying all that stuff?" Well, you wanted him to say more, so here he is being honest and kind of you know saying what he actually you know what he felt. And not, yeah, he wasn't honest in the past, but just being more open and, and, um, more forward with what he was, with what his, uh, kind of his takeaways were. So I thought that was kind of funny. And then the other thing too is I think that there was a big misconception in a way, in the way that people were reading him. Like, I don't know many coaches who after the first scrimmage of training camp are going to come out and say, everything was great. We're ready to start the season tomorrow. Let's just go. Everything was perfect. No coach is going to be that satisfied after the first scrimmage of the spring. And I think he does have high expectations for this team. I think he does have certain things that he wants to see. And, you know, early on in the scrimmage, and that's what a lot of people kind of miss too, is that he was saying, I think some of the things he wasn't happy with early on, um, you know, where guys were maybe amped up a little bit. And I think that that's where the thing, you know, with Gavin Wimsett being what he said sped up, you know, it was just, you know, Gavin, wanted to come out, wanted to play well, wanted to make a, you know, a kind of an impression as, as QB one in the first scrimmage of training camp. And he, you know, in Greg's words was sped up and then kind of got better as the scrimmage wore on. So I was a little surprised by some of the reaction. I mean, you know, I thought that he was, he was again, forward with what he saw. And I think that's a good thing. And that's what fans want to hear. And so obviously, you know, the first scrimmage, now it's all about the second scrimmage and, and, you know, can they, can they make the improvements that he wants to see? And, you know, kind of come out and be a little bit cleaner, a little bit more precise in, in what they're doing and um, improve. You know, naming Gavin the starter early, too, is something that, you know, fans were looking for. It seemed like the obvious choice, really, from the spring, but nobody expected, obviously, Shiano to make that announcement that early. But he was able to do it before Big Ten media days and really just add, kind of solidify, all right, this is our guy, this is where we're moving forward. Is that a storyline that's kind of being overblown or is that important that he nailed down the starter this early or could it be even Rutgers fans just uh thinking back to past years where they just saw uh the uh the cycle of quarterbacks and kind of no decision being made by the coaching staff no yeah I mean I was I was a little um surprised that he he named Gavin the starter when he did he actually did it uh with me and um Brian Fonsek and Palani from NJ.com and at the kind of right before the start of Big Ten media days he told us that that Gavin was a starter and I was a little surprised that he, he did it that quickly, um, but I do think at the end of the day it was a good thing. You know, eliminate that competition now. Give Gavin time in training camp to assert himself as the starter. Um, get the entire offense used to that idea that there's no competition. He's the guy. He's the leader of that group. And from what I've heard, he's really stepped up as a leader, both vocally and, and kind of 
the way he's led. Um, he's really taken charge, and, and that's a big deal. You know, that's that's a process for a, a young player, and still, you know, he's still 19 years old. He's still a young kid. But from what I've heard, he's really come a long way in that regard a lot. You know, I think it's helped his confidence to be the starter and to have that role and that status on the team with no question. Um, so I think that it was it was a big deal for them to do that. And I think it's going to now give him time, as I said, to continue to assert himself in that role and continue to learn. And, you know, I, from, you know, from what Shiano has said, he's liked the improvements that Wimps has shown in terms of his accuracy. And that's why he was somewhat surprised that he wasn't quite as inaccurate early in the scrimmage the other day. Um, and so, it, you know, I, I think that it was, a, it was the right thing for Shiano to do, even if it was, you know, a little surprising to, to all of us really. Yeah, it's hard. It's easy to forget that he was playing in a bowl game, you know, months after playing in a high school game back in 2020, which is crazy to think about. And the overall offensive strategy, too, you mentioned, you know, Wimson, some inaccuracy issues, which we saw last year when he was on the field. Um, So there's a couple kinks that have to be worked out. But the overall offensive strategy that um, Kirk Soraka showed, was there any sense of, um, you know, some new plays being thrown in, trying to use his athleticism out on the field and also... Um, just simplifying the offense a bit. You know, sometimes sometimes simple is better in football. Not everything has to be so difficult. Was there any sense of that? Well, listen, I, you know, Shiano put it pretty bluntly back at, at Big Ten Media Day, too, you know, when asked about what the offense was going to look like. He said, well, it's not a secret. He said, just go watch what Minnesota was doing. I mean, it's 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 very similar. You know, I that's what I think fans should expect. A lot of running the ball, a lot of RPO, a lot of tight end usage. I mean, those are all the things that I think you're going to see with this offense. And I think that they, it does fit Gavin's skill set. He is a very good runner. And obviously, you know, last season he couldn't utilize that skill because of the angle. So, you know, it was, I think that now fans are going to get the chance to see, you know, it's just how well Gavin can kind of be as a runner. Obviously he has that ability. He's athletic. Um, so I think that that's certainly going to be something that they're utilized. And, and then, yeah, I mean, they have a, you know, a strong running back room. Uh, so obviously Sam Brown back healthy. So they're going to utilize that. You know, I think it's all kind of going to be um, a focal point of the offense for sure. But I don't think it's a secret what they're going to try and do. Yeah, the running back room too, uh, healthy and deep if if they're able to stay healthy this year. Um, definitely not a secret that they're going to want to try to establish the run. That's what they did last year to create a bit of an identity. Um, you know, Sam Brown being healthy, but also Aaron Young and, and what he could do as a pass catcher because that was a, a factor in the offense that was non-existent last year. So the importance of that as well, but really just having a cycle of guys that they could bring in and out. Yeah, no doubt. I, having Aaron Young back is really important. I mean, I think that that was sort of overlooked at times last year. Just what he can do, his versatility – um, you never really know where he's going to be on the field when they use him um, because they can use him as a receiver, obviously. As a running back, he, he can do so many different things with the offense. He can kind of be like a safety valve type of guy. So I think that he's, you know, having him back healthy is really going to add a, a dimension that, for the most part, Rutgers lacked last season because even when he came back, he really wasn't 100%. He pretty much missed the entire season. So I think that that's something that's going to be, um, you know, really all, really interesting. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how Kirk uses them in the offense you know that's kind of the position that's you know solid locked in a little bit again of course if they're healthy able to come back healthy there's question marks all over the rest of the offense and you know it starts obviously under center with Gavin but then you move to the offensive line where they are returning three starters but they have to replace you know JD Dorenzo who was their best lineman last year and kind of feels like the guard positions they're going to have to kind of figure out over the course of training camp um is there 
any sense that this offensive line can kind of take that next step? You know, Holland Pierce likely moving over to left tackle and kind of just show that improvement that Shiano's been looking for during his second tenure? Well, I think that's the hope. I think that they're moving in that direction. The, the line has been better, um, but certainly not as where it needs to be, you know, just in terms of what it showed last season. So I think that they're moving in the right direction. I think having Pat Flaherty, a guy of his experience and what he's done in his career, I think that helps a lot. And I certainly think the unit, you know, those guys trust him in there. And, um, yeah, I mean, listen, I, you know, they do have, you know, what Shiano called intense battles at, at, on the right side of the line, at right guard, and right tackle. And the fact that you're able to have those battles, and I actually, I wrote this the other day, like the fact that Rutgers has competition on the offensive line, intense competition is something that they have not had in recent seasons because there was not the depth to do that. There were pretty much was like, let's just find five guys who can actually play on the offensive line and let's hope for the best. Right. <laughs> and a lot of times they had to rotate guys in and out because it just wasn't working and they weren't kind of able to sustain a five all the, you know, throughout the season. So the fact that they're now able to do that and you have guys like Tyler Needham and Kamar Missouri and Kobe Asamoah and Mike Chifoni all kind of pushing each other for those roles on that side of the line. That's a, that's significant. And I think that, you know, the hope for Rutgers is that they can find the five that they can stick with through the course of the season, get that combination, you know, kind of locked in place and, and kind of roll from there. But so I think that they're more optimistic. But again, until, you know, Big Ten de- the defensive lines are, we know how tough they are, you know, so it's, it's until the season gets going and, and we start to see, you know, them going against that type of competition, we're not really going to know how much progress they've made. But Again, like I said, I think the hope is that they're they're taking the strides that they need to make. And you know, I think guys like Holland Pierce, you know, Greg Schiano is confident. He believes that he's going to play on Sunday someday. You know, so I, I think that that side of the line, and obviously Curtis Dunlap, and, and you know, you know, Ireland Brown, those guys are likely to to, to man the left side. Um, so there's some experience there and, and some returning, but the, obviously the right side. But again, like I said, I think the hope is that they can get better as a unit collectively. Yeah, Schiano mentioned he's hoping to have five guys that can play you know, majority and just stick together because that that helps the offense as well, obviously, in a big way. Um, he also used the word inconsistent um, in that press conference when talking about the wide receivers. And again, that's kind of to be expected, especially when you look at the losses, you know, the guys now playing in the NFL. Um, you know, Chris Long can be a deep threat for the team. Jaquay Jackson, we'll see what he has, you know, transferring in. Guys like that, but really the pass catchers as a whole, when you throw the tight ends in there as well, because they've also been a bit non-existent in the past. And you mentioned Soraka you know, might be able to use the tight ends a bit more. So it is inconsistent kind of what we're going to see. You know, it seems like the pass catchers as a whole have to take a big step forward, um, really from where they are now into a couple of weeks, if they're going to make a difference. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, that was, you know, listen, at the start of the offseason, the, the wide receiver room was a big question mark because of what they lost and, and how much production they lost. And then obviously bringing in Jaquai Jackson, the scene Brantley, you know, hoping Chris Long could take another step. That's important. Um, I think that those guys can be weapons. Obviously, Jackson has a, has a potential to be the number one guy. So we'll see how kind of that un- unfolds and, and shakes out. Um, and then in terms of the tight ends, you know, I, I think Shiano did say too that, you know, Johnny Langan and Sean Bowman have, have played pretty well. Um, uh, but I think he wants to see more from Victor Canopka. You know, he's a six foot seven guy who obviously is, you know, can be a, a really dependable target, but he just has to become more of a, of a reliable option in the passing game. Um, and then Mike Higgins is in there as well, but he's obviously a little bit younger. And Greg said he needs to, you know, continue to kind of get better as a blocker. So I think that a lot of those guys, especially with the tight ends, and we obviously know what Johnny Langan can do. He's been here forever. But, you know, I think that in, in terms of the tight ends, I think they're kind of guys who are in different stages of the development in some ways. Like they each have their own kind of thing where they're trying to improve on. 
And, you know, talking to Victor in the spring, like he feels better as a blocker, but again, it's passing, pass catching that he wants to improve on. Um, so I think that, you know, that that's going to be something to keep an eye on. It's just how good and productive can that group be. But I think the wide receivers have a shot to be, to be, be kind of pretty okay. I mean, I don't know. I'm not going to say that they're going to be stellar or, you know, we don't know again until the season starts, but with the additions that they made in, in the transfer portal, guys coming back, I think that that group has to, you know, has a chance to be pretty solid especially, you know, relative to what we were thinking it was going to look like once the uh, offseason started. We're talking with Chris Eisman of Gannett. Uh, with all the question marks on offense, there seems to not be that many on the defensive side of the ball. There's there's hope for this defense, especially after last year. And it, it was kind of an interesting year to me um, when you look at they were unable to kind of finish when they got to the quarterback, um, only 20 sacks over the course of 12 games. And really taking the ball away is something that Shiano has prioritized. Didn't really do that much last year, but the but the unit as a whole is rock solid, and they're expected to be even better uh, this year, especially when you look at guys like, you know, Muhammad Ture coming back, Moses Walker coming back all, just off of injuries, and that linebacking core that was kind of a question mark coming in last year because of injuries and losses seems to be a strength this year when you look at the players returning from injury, but also, you know, obviously Deion Jennings, Tyreen Powell, guys like that. So the middle of that defense being strong and um, – being pieces that could get to the quarterback, Ture especially, that's got to help take the defense to the next level as well. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, the defense, I think, well, not I think, we know that was the strength last season. What what happened towards the end of the last season was that it just got worn down. I think depth took, you know, the, the hit at um, linebacker, you know, before the season even started with Ture and Moses Walker going down with knee injuries. And then over the course of the season, just got more guys get, you know, nicked up and all of a sudden, you, you know, your depth is hurt. And then the defense is on the field constantly because the offense can't keep anything going. So I think that that group overall just got worn down. So I think the additional depth um, at several positions, you know, obviously on the defensive line, that's the group with Isaiah Iden being brought in too, to kind of bolster that group. Now Therese is back, Walker's back, Powell obviously, and, and Deion Jennings return. And then the secondary too with, you know, guys like Eric Rogers coming in, Flip Dixon. So there's, there's more depth at almost every level of the defense. Um, and I think that's going to help kind of them sustain their, their production through the entire course of the season. But yes, as you said, you know, getting to the quarterback and finishing, they need to, they need to get more sacks. There's no doubt. There's, there's no doubt that that's a goal. Um, and I think that's where you look at a guy like Aaron Lewis, who obviously has NFL potential. Um, I think is, is, you know, prime for a really, really big season. And then, you know, you look at a guy like Wesley Bailey too, who, you know, kind of had a breakout, breakout year. And I think he's going to continue to build on that. So I think there's certainly optimism in that, in that group that they can get to the quarterback more consistently and finish those sacks. And so I think that that's um, something that's certainly going to look for, but I, I have no doubt that, that, that defense overall, that's going to be what's you know going to keep Rutgers in a lot of games this year. And again, it's the other side of the ball, whether they can catch up. You know, you mentioned Aaron Lewis and he started to turn heads last year and he's getting a lot of preseason love coming in this year, not just, in the big on Rutgers or in the Big Ten, but nationally um, as an edge rusher, just how good can this guy be if he's you know takes that next step once again and reaches the top of his game? I think he can be as good as he wants to be. I mean, I think he has that much potential. Um, you know, just the way he's kind of you know grown and, and developed physically, working with uh, Jay Butler, the director of strength performance. Um, you know, he's just. He's got everything that you would want in a, in a Big Ten defensive end: the explosiveness, um, the quickness for a guy that size. He's just, you know, and he's a great kid too. He's got a great personality. Um, I don't know if anybody's if everybody saw the uh, the tub talks that they did with him and, and Marquise Watson the other day, yeah. but I encourage everyone to go and watch that because that was pretty funny. So and it kind of shows his personality. So and Marquise's too. 
Um, but yeah, he's he's got you know again. I, I think he he's got a shot to be a really really you know have a really special season. So he's continued to kind of you know go on an upward trajectory, and and I I would expect that to continue this year. And you know, moving back into the secondary, it seems as though there is depth. You know, Rutgers has bodies this year, whether it be in the secondary. Um, we mentioned you know battles along the offensive line, just different positions. Um, is it quality depth? We're going to find that out soon. Obviously, once games begin. But especially in the secondary, it's important when you lose guys like Christian Izian and Christian Braswell um, to the NFL. You bring back Max Melton, though, Robert Longerbeam. Um, you mentioned Flip Dixon. There's guys back there. So do does Rutgers have the bodies? Do they have the um, the potential to fill in those replacements from last season against, you know, elite wide receivers in the Big Ten? Yeah, I absolutely think so. I mean, I you know, you, you mentioned the guys like Betts and Eric Rogers. I think Max Melton is is you know has potential to have a really good season, is another guy that has NFL potential, obviously, as we all know. I think Robert Longerbeam, um, you know, his numbers too were kind of skewless because he had a few interceptions that he dropped. So that those his numbers could even be better. And I think that was a focus this year too, is just kind of make sure he gets those interceptions when he gets those chances. Uh, um but yeah, I mean I, I definitely think the secondary is solid. And then you look at guys too at safety, you know, Desmond Ignos and Jaquan Loyal. Um, these are guys who really, you know, have stepped up and have made big impressions early on in, in the chances that they've gotten. And if you, you know, if the expectation is that they're going to continue to kind of take steps forward, I think that's a really good sign for the defense. Um, especially a guy like Ignos, and I think he's, you know, he's, a, he's kind of a monster there at safety. So I think that he's got a shot to be really good. And there's, a, we had the first camp battle, right? Solved. Greg Schiano, Jay Patel, we got a kicker. Um, as small as it might be, and he's he's great too. I covered him in high school when he was at South Brunswick. He's just got you don't see a lot of high school kickers, you know, being run out there for 40, 45 yard kicks. So it was very refreshing to see. Um, are we going to see some less oars on the on the depth chart this year? As as small as it might be, the kicker was announced. Obviously, Gavin was announced as the starter. Just is there a chance that Shiano could finally open it up a bit and and give some solidified answers on that depth chart? <laughs> Uh, that that might that's a good question. <laughs> I, I wouldn't expect it. Um, you know, I don't even know when we'll see a depth chart. You know, I, we might get to September third. We'll just kind of figure it out that day. Um, the morning of, but yeah, exactly. You know, whoever lines up on the field, that's who. That's what the depth chart will look like. You know, I, I don't. I mean, I wouldn't expect too much. And, and at the, there's not that many question marks, right? I mean, on really on either side. Well, yeah, the offensive line is a few. Um, at safety, I mean, I. I he said that he really likes the way that Flip Dixon has played. He's proven that he's a Big Ten in safety, so you can read into that what you want in terms of where he's going to play. Um, so, I, I mean, I, there's not really a ton of question marks. So, you know, will we see a full depth chart? I don't know. But I think that, you know, if you follow this program, you can kind of figure out, I think, where guys are going to be. And, you know, I mentioned earlier, Shiano kind of, a little sense of urgency this season, maybe, um, being his fourth year. He's starting to get his full repertoire of guys in there, um, recruits and everything. The system is the way he wants it. The team has to improve, obviously, especially looking on last year, especially on the offensive side of the ball. That's a given. Not saying, you know, obviously win eight, nine games, you know, compete for a championship, but, you know, go into late in the season looking for that sixth win. And everybody studied um, the schedule enough to this point. You know, is there a path to six wins for this team? Does and there's a gauntlet at the end as well. You know, could this team find six wins on their schedule if all goes right? Yes, I think if all goes right, they can. Um, I think it starts out with making a statement right away against Northwestern. Take advantage of a program that's reeling, that's gone through a lot of turmoil. The funny thing with that game is that nobody really knows what to expect. 
um, because you don't know if Northwestern is going to be kind of beaten down by that point. It's just going to, you know, where, you know, what that program has gone through, um, what the players are feeling like. Obviously, there's a lot going on. Are they going to rally together and be, you know, a team that kind of um, rises up and, and pulls it off, maybe? Or are they just going to Rutgers kind of go in? And listen, they were a team that Northwestern struggled last season, too. So, you know, there's not – that's another thing, too. There's just not a very good team, you know, on the field. So I think that Rutgers really needs to make a statement in that first game. I think it needs to go 3-0 in non-conference. So there's four wins right there. You know, can you beat Indiana on the road? Can you beat Michigan? Pull something off against Michigan State, maybe. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're looking at if you can go into November. If they can go into November still in the bowl hunt, I think that's that's a positive thing. And then, you know, I keep I've said to a few people, I said I think it's going to come down to that that season finale against Maryland again. And maybe this is year that they can pull off that win and get to a six wins. But yes, I, I you know, I, I've. I think a path to six wins is, is definitely possible, but that's if everything goes right. I mean, if the offense makes the improvements that it needs to make, if, if they can stay healthy, um, if the defense can be as good as, as everyone kind of thinks it can be, then yes, yeah, six wins is possible. But again, once the game start, we see, you know, just how good this talent is comparative, you know, compared to the rest of the Big Ten, or at least the Big Ten teams that Rutgers had a shot against. It's tough to know for sure, but I do think a path exists. There's definitely some bad memories for fans from that uh, 2021 game when both Maryland and Rutgers were looking for that sixth win and Maryland came out and just completely punched them in the mouth. I joked earlier in the in the podcast about the schedule, the way it's lined up. Again, they face a little bit of that gauntlet in the last four games. And with Virginia Tech and Michigan State being kind of the swing games, obviously at Indiana too, but Rutgers has handled Indiana, so fans are going to expect to win that one. So if all yeah. those if all those go Rutgers' way, you know, you're looking going into the bye week on October 21st, six and two. If you're able to win those swing games, and I'm like, I can't imagine a world where fans wake up, you know, at the end of August with Rutgers being six and two. But if all things go right, you know, who knows? Yeah, if all things go right, that's the that's a big question. That's for sure, uh, Chris. I appreciate the time talking some Rutgers football. Absolutely, Greg. I appreciate having me on. Thank you. Thank you again to Chris Eisman for a more in-depth look at the Rutgers football team as we head into the middle of August. The defense definitely has depth, and when you look across the board, um, the linebackers are interesting to me because that was such a a weak point last year. You know, one of the biggest question marks on defense came from the linebackers because, you know, losing Fatukasi and a rather unproven group, and then you look at Moses Walker, who was supposed to come in and make an impact right away. He goes down with a knee injury. That's not the case anymore when you look at what they were able to get from their guys last year in terms of Deion Jennings, Tyreen Powell, they're getting Walker back. They're getting, um, you know, healthier on that side of the ball and in that group. That's going to be a strength of Rutgers. And in the Big Ten, that's huge when you look at, you know, plugging up holes against some run games and really trying to win the trenches. Totally agreed. I mean, when, when Moses Walker, uh, whenever you hear such great things about a true freshman, it only makes you more excited for him as he's going to progress. Especially uh, at the linebacker position. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I couldn't imagine being 18 years old starting at middle linebacker in the Big Ten. And, and he was slotted to do that. And now he's here. I don't know if we're going to see him out there week one. You know, obviously, when you're coming back from injury, you want to take it slow, but it has been probably about a full year now since he, since that injury happened. Uh, but, you know, the rotation between, I, I like to think of it as almost like a three person rotation or three player rotation between Moses Walker, uh, Tyreen Powell, and Deion. 
innings like that. That's me. I'm, I'm very happy with that rotation. And Tyreen Powell has shown that, you know, he's, he's gotten better each year and he's gotten bigger each year. And he, I don't know when he's going to stop growing because he's, he's, he's looks like a, a basketball player out there playing middle linebacker. He's so tall and so lanky that, you know, I'm excited to, you know, obviously I, we saw him get after the quarterback sometimes and run stuff, but I think he's going to be a threat in the past defense as well, like dropping it, dropping back in coverage, uh, in zone, looking forward to that. And then, you know, when we look towards the defensive line, the, I know that we didn't have a lot of players singularly get like double digit or more than like four or five sacks. I, I, I'm sure they don't care about that as long as they're getting to the quarterback. And they did that a lot last season. And I think they're going to continue to do it because we get, uh, um, I'm sorry, Muhammad Ture back, uh, which is going to be looking, he's going to look awesome in the number one uh, uniform. I can't wait to see that. And he's another guy that has gotten better and gotten bigger each year. And hopefully he's healthy because he's, he's our leading, leading sacker the previous two seasons that he played. And you pair him with Aaron Lewis, like, I'm excited. I, I don't want to say we're going to be the best big, big, or the best defense in the Big Ten because there's some good ones, but I think we're going to be pretty competitive when it comes to defense as long as our offense can stay on the field and give the defense some break. As long as the offense stays on the field a little bit and obviously health, you can't predict injuries, which was obviously a huge thing last year. But yeah. Ray coming back, just, you know, a leadership aspect, and you mentioned getting to the quarterback, you know, they put they were able to put pressure on last year, but they couldn't finish the play. Um, right. They weren't able to get a lot of sacks, and that could be lack of personnel, um, but Teray coming back is that player who can get to the quarterback um, on a consistent basis, whether it be just to blow up a play or, you know, take him down for a sack. And that's going to be a huge addition. And then you go into the secondary. That's a very interesting secondary, again, because you lose some pieces, but you return Max Melton, who, you know, is a player that looks like he's going to play on Sunday some days and someday. And having him as your number one corner it's kind of that question, you know, can he take that next step and be a true number one corner in the Big Ten, like playing against some of the best receivers in the country? Agreed with Max Mellon. I mean, he, he's gotten a lot of – and, you know, obviously it helps when your brother's Bo Mellon has did tremendous things in the Big Ten. Uh, but he was a guy who I think was a little bit more under-recruited coming out of college or high school than, than his brother was. But he's done a great job uh, playing playing as a corner. Uh, and I, I think, you know, as long as everybody stays healthy, I think there's some good talent, for, specifically from the cornerback position. Safety, uh, we had some real veterans in there that have been there for three or four years. But, you know, we bring in – Flip Dixon from Minnesota, who has Big Ten experience. Yeah. I'm excited to see what Shaquan Loyal can do. Uh, Desmond, I've always tried to get this name right. Igben Ninnison, I think. <laughs> I'm just going to call him Des. Uh, and he's another guy that has gotten a lot of experience. I remember, I think his first main experience specifically was in the bowl game against uh, Wake Forest in 2022 or 20, whenever it was uh, that season. And we kind of got slotted in there. And then one other player, two other players, actually. I think Eric, Eric Rogers, I believe, is a transfer. But then there's a true freshman, Bo Masco. I remember seeing from Florida after the uh, after the spring game. I remember watching him. I was like, who's number three? Who's number three? He was filling the hole. He was making tackles. He's playing physical. That's all you can ask for from a young guy is go out there, play hard. If you make a mistake, just finish hard. And he was playing like that. So, you know, we've seen Greg Shannon do great jobs with guys in the secondary. So, Looking forward to, to what those guys can do. Yeah, he was no, another one of those hybrids. I think he signed uh, or he played wide receiver in high school, one of those two-way players, and Rutgers brought him on to be in the um, defensive backfield. And it's tough. Yeah. It's tough replacing guys when you lose players like Izian and um, Christian Braswell. It's tough to replace those type of guys, you know, the NFL caliber players. 
but you return one of them and melt in, which is huge. And then you yep. you do a little work in the transfer portal, and and you really see what could happen. And that's important, obviously, in the Big Ten with such great receivers. But you got to be able to get to the quarterback and stop the run as well. Um, and that's where they return some experience along um, the defensive line as well. When you look at Wesley Bailey, Keontae Hamilton, like, and obviously Aaron Lewis, who people expect to be that guy. Not really just for Rutgers, but in the Big Ten, like they're talking about this guy, like he can take over as one of the best edge rushers, you know, in the country. You know, be one of the top twenty, top twenty-five at the position in the country, which has to have Rutgers fans excited too. Yeah, I'm even more excited about Aaron Lewis. Is he's shown it on the field, and this is a guy who was originally—I don't know if he ever played, but he did go. He committed to Michigan. He went to he went there, kind of early enrolled, and then transferred. I can't remember the exact. Yeah, I think situation. he was only on campus for like a month or two, and then he, he yeah, transferred but- real soon. Extremely thankful that he's been uh, he came back because a Jersey guy. He's been a tremendous advocate for the program. He's he's doing things on social media. Just been a great promoter for Rutgers football and Rutgers athletics and the university as a whole. So super happy to have him on board and playing at such a high level. But yeah, like you said, we, we can't forget about Wesley ba- Wesley Bailey, um, especially the fact that you know I, I love seeing guys from Canada on the team. That's always fun. Uh, but he he's another guy that off the edge, flying there, and then you got guys like Kenny Fletcher who are who are who are younger, uh, these younger, quicker guys that have shown that they're talented with speed, maybe not the, the big size you think of as a defensive lineman. But if I'm not mistaken, in the interior defensive line, we do have some really big guys, some really good rough run stuffers. Can't wait to watch Keontae Hamilton play some more. He's been a, he's been a force, another guy that's almost 300 pounds, like 6'4", 295, just massive. And I believe the transfer we landed, uh, Isaiah Iton, I saw a picture of him, number nine, like not a guy I want to mess with. Not a guy I want to mess with. Seeing the alley by myself, another big, big guy, 6'3", 290. So being able to keep – it just seems like there's depth there along the defensive line in the front seven, like we said, which is huge because you know, this team is the Big Ten that can pound the ball and take over games. And if we can keep fresh fresh legs in there, fresh bodies in there, stop the run, uh, force the offenses into to long – third down uh, conversions bodes well for Rutgers because that's when we bring the pressure. And I think we're, we're, we're pretty good on third down. And, and I, I, especially at a home game, it's one of my favorite things to do uh, when they, when they ring the bell. So, you know, I'm hoping to see a lot of those and, and forcing turnovers and, and all the good stuff, but yeah, let's get after the quarterback who's finished to play and, and put offenses in a tough position this year. It's so amazing to see because this was a good unit last year. There's no denying that it gets overlooked, obviously, with the the win total and just really how bad the offense was. Um, was it left a somber note around the team, a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. But this was a good unit last year, and they return a lot. But when you look at the numbers, you know they had 20 sacks in, in 12 games, which was second to last in the Big Ten. They had nine interceptions, which was near the bottom of the Big Ten. So they get, there's things they do have to improve on. So it kind of makes you think if they could take the ball away a little more, and that's something else Greg Schiano mentioned um, after the scrimmage on Saturday, they didn't take the ball away again, You know, Gavin, which is good because Gavin Wimsett was able to take care of it. But as a, it's that double-edged sword when you look at scrimmages, of course. The defense, you want them to take the ball away. They weren't able to do that again. So will they be able to this year, and will they be able to get to the quarterback are two things that you want to – want them to be able to do if both of those answers are yes that's a group that can continue to take a step forward and become even better which would again be exciting for fans to see because they were a good unit last year so to see them improve would really just help in many ways yeah totally agree i mean (laughs) i just think back of uh i think it was penn state and iowa that i remember as two specific home games night games 
defense was playing pretty well. Obviously, Penn State got away from us, but the amount of times yeah, Rutgers can never score against Penn State. Yeah, but then I look at how many points the opponent's defense was scoring. They were scoring 14-plus points. Like, that's ridiculous. How do you expect to win a game like that when you have the type of offense that we have? Like, it's it's frustrating to see. So, yeah, limiting those turnovers and not allowing opponent defenses to score six or seven points, it'll make a huge difference. And, and I, I think that uh, hopefully with, with the offense we'll be running – It'll be a little bit more simple. That'll just avoid those type of situations. Not that I want to see punts. You know, obviously we don't have Adam Korsak anymore. Loved watching him play. And I wish I wasn't excited to watch him play, but I was. Um, and hopefully, you know, we don't have that benefit anymore. We'll see what happens regarding the punting situation this year. But you know, that we don't have that benefit of knowing we're going to flip the field and hopefully our defense can make a stop. Like, it could happen, but we don't know that right now. So hopefully the, uh, the offense can help the defense and, and vice versa. And, We'll win some games that we, we we should we should win. I know if you're a gambler out there too, you weren't too happy with uh, that Iowa that Iowa Rutgers game. Considering Iowa score, I believe Rutgers threw two pick sixes in that game, if I'm not mistaken, yep. and that yep. and one of them hit the over at the end. You know, an over of 35, they 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 have to hit it with two pick sixes from yep. Iowa. So if you're if you're a gambler, you're not too happy with that one. And that's kind of how a lot of the games went for Iowa with that defense. A lot of totals in the 30 that 30s that you're hoping gets there from defensive touchdowns. Yep. Yeah, it's that's another team. I, I mean, I'm looking at the schedule, looking at the, the preseason top 25. They have a good they have a top defense in the country, but to see them rank number 25 after the type of year they had last year offensively, yeah, it's, it's, it's just surprising. It's just surprising, but that goes to show you. I mean, they, they are a program that just wins. Like they, they're they're not going to have losing years. They're going to win games, uh, and they're going to find ways to do it, even though it's going to be very hard on the eyes to watch. And that's coming from two Rutgers fans that have watched Rutgers offense the last couple, you know, five or ten years. But yeah, Iowa. Uh, I mean, maybe that Kate McNamara is the guy, but seeing number twenty-five uh, next to their name, I was like, oh, all right, but. That's why I'm not a fan of preseason rankings because it's we don't know anything could happen. It's definitely a head scratcher. I I think Cade McNamara was really the reason. I would have to assume, right? There's not much yeah. else to to think of because the defense was good was elite last year, and we saw what they can do. I think name has so much to do with these preseason rankings too. That's why it's so tough. You see, yep. you see Iowa, you see Kirk Ferentz, you see um, Cade McNamara transfer, and you're like, oh, well, we'll rank this team and kind of just see where it goes. Um, but it was a little surprising to see them. There, I think they got it right pretty much in the Big Ten, though. You know, Penn, especially with Penn State, they're yep. that defense is going to be that defense year. is going to be crazy this year. They expect yep. them to compete for uh, a title in the East and you know a playoff spot. You know, they're saying could Penn State win the national title? Yeah, it's it's weird to think that uh, you know since joining the Big Ten, it's really been Ohio State for so long, and then Michigan has came into it, and Penn State did win the Big Ten, but they got snubbed from the college football playoffs. I'm not sure if they got stuck. I can't remember how that year ended, but yeah, this is a team like if they were in probably if they were in the Big Ten West, for example, which I guess geographically wouldn't make much sense, but the Big Ten geographically doesn't make any sense. No, I mean, who knows? Who knows where they are in terms of college football playoffs or Big Ten? But you know, it's it's easy to 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 be an advocate against Penn State, but you have to respect the the talent on the team. And and it's funny that Penn State fans will be like the. Only people would be like, oh, get rid of James Franklin. I mean, okay, yeah, he's having a tough time with Ohio State and Michigan, but so would anybody else that's playing them every single year, typically one home and one away. And they seem to always waste their whiteout game on a game that, that shouldn't matter. Like, they, I don't know what's with their scheduling, but that game makes a huge difference. You can win a, you can win a game you're supposed to lose because of that whiteout. But, yeah, Penn State this year with Drew Aller and those running backs – 
uh, it, they're they're going to be a tough team, and definitely keep an eye on them. It's just you know another another year in the Big Ten. He's too, it's 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 a gauntlet. I had my fair share of arguments with uh, Penn State fans about that year too, when it came to the the Big Ten. They win the Big Ten championship, but they thought they should have went to the playoff. But you can't go in with two losses, and that that's really what that's really what it came down to. I know you beat Ohio State; they were all hyped up over that. But you also lost to. Um, I think they lost a pit early in that season was their first loss. And then they got killed by Michigan. They got, yeah. I got to look up that score to see what it was. I think they lost by 30 plus to Michigan. And, yeah, and I said, you, you can't lose to pit early in the season. I expect to make the college football playoff no matter what. But you know, yeah. after, after winning the big 10 title, they didn't want to hear that. <laughs> I don't even remember. I think that was another Clemson, Alabama national championship game. Like it didn't matter who was going to get out of the big 10. Those were the, those no. were the two teams. Throughout that three-year stretch, that we're going to end up winning it all. Yeah, that year, that year they were. It was one of the two. I was shocked to see. I think that was Clemson's year. Um, Deshaun Watson. I think that was his year. They won, which I was surprised to see because I thought Bama was, you know, by far the best team outside of the quarterback position. But it was. It's going to be interesting to see how it goes this year because there's going to be question marks of is Georgia as good as they've been um, over the past two years. Not saying they're going to take a step back, but they've they've just been so dominant the past two years. You know, is that going to continue? And honestly, I think it should. I mean, defensively, they should be just as good. Yeah. I mean, it's the Eagles have figured it out. Like, if you look at the best players in high school, how they perform in college, and then draft them, for them, it's worked out because you just went with Georgia guys. All these five stars that have been All-Americans, national champions, they draft them, and now look at their defense. I mean, they, they just, they just like, yeah, let's we'll just take the Georgia guys. Make it easy for us. All, the, all these other teams with their analytics and their scouts telling them to do this and do that. It was just like, let me get the best players from the best team. So they figured it out. And, yeah, with Georgia, definitely the rightfully number one. After that, you can make an argument for who should be two, but I think two and three, they got right with Ohio State and Michigan now. If you had to ask me, obviously Michigan did beat Ohio State last year, but you look at what Michigan has done against in the playoffs, and it just hasn't – they haven't put a good taste in people's mouth or a good taste in people's mouths at the end of the year because they were great the entire year, obviously, and then you you, 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 you just blow it against TCU, a team that loses both by 60 by Georgia. What would have happened to you in the national championship? And then you look at what Ohio State does against Georgia, and it's like – Either one of them could be two or three, but it just – one of my favorite things, my least favorite things about college football is how the Big Ten season pretty much comes down to one game each year at the end of the year. And I love looking forward to it, but, you know, the last two games just – they haven't been good game. Like, in terms of – they've been kind of lopsided towards the end. I mean, this – this the year before, Ohio State just – everything just kind of goes against them. And it's like, how are they getting so manhandled by Michigan when they should be able to do the same thing? So looking forward to see what Ohio State can do this year against, uh, you know, Michigan. But, yeah, we have some really great games in college football. I can't wait for it. You know, we have week zero not too long ago, and then then we kick it off with week one. So it's a team that, you know, if, if we're, we're talking who we like or who we don't like, but I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what Florida, if Florida State can take the next step this year. I think they made a huge step last year. And I can't wait to watch them play. And and if we can get them and Clemson to be back into that race in the ACC, just adds another layer to to the game. Because, you know, it's been a while since we saw the ACC in the the playoffs since Clemson, obviously. So we'll see. Maybe Miami can finally be Miami, too. But looking forward to it. Who knows about that one? I mean, Miami's been so – it's like the country's waiting for Miami to take that next step. And they're just – they refuse to do it. It's almost like they don't want to – you know, be on that national level. It, it's crazy to say, but they just haven't been able to do so. But yeah, that's something we'll touch on, you know, throughout, you know, this is, this is a Rutgers podcast, but 
got to talk about the rest of college football too, whether it's the Big Ten or just nationally, because that's what that's what we watch every week, and that's that's the best time. It's the best time of year, in my opinion. What's college is back. I love the NFL. It's a special thing with the NFL. They'll always be king, but waking up on yeah. a college football Saturday, there there's nothing better, in my oh, opinion. Yeah. Yeah, it's totally different. I mean, there's nothing like college game day. Um, I can't wait for it. But, yeah, NFL. I'm a Jets fan, so this is the most excited I've been in a very, very long time. Oh, I can imagine. Probably, could only mean one thing, and it's probably utter failure because that's usually how it goes. But looking forward to it. I think Hard Knocks is on in 57 minutes, so probably going to watch that tonight. So, yeah, looking, looking forward to an exciting year of football. Plenty of football, and Rutgers fans obviously got a lot to look forward to on the basketball court as well. Um, when you look at the team they have this year – and what they're doing on the recruiting path. And that's where I'm going to start because a tweet got a tweet taken a bit out of proportion um, last night, you know, riled fans up a bit um, that I I've respectfully t- took down because it was misworded on my end. Um, the, the question I was trying to get across was, is the Steve Peichel recruiting power, is it a staying power or is this a one-year anomaly? Now, that seems like a silly question to ask on a Rutgers-based Twitter account because the answer is going to be this is a staying power. You know, they're building something. But at the end of the day, it's a conversation, you know, that it's it's premature to have. But it it can be had because this is something that we've never seen before from Rutgers and from Steve Peichel. You know, you look at the job he's done and he built it up from the ground up. Um they were at absolute rock bottom when they first got to the Big Ten. And what he's been able to do to get them on a national level is, is impressive, and it's really incredible. But when you're on that national level, you've got to take it up even further to get on to, you know, the Dukes, the, the Villanovas of years past, you know, North Carolina, Kansas, all those teams. And this is where the recruiting question comes in. Can they do this on a consistent level? Um, because right now Ace Bailey's committed. If they do land Dylan Harper, those are one-year guys. You know, they're not playing – they're not going to be in Piscataway long. They're going to be top five, top ten draft picks. So they're only there one year. You're going to have to replace them and rebuild. Can he do that in recruiting years past? Now, it was a, again, it was worded weird because um, they're getting a top ten guy in 2025, Trey McKinney. He's going on a visit. But that was where the conversation came in, and I think it's a fair one to have. I know it's not one that people want to have yet because Dylan Harper's not even committed. But at the end of the day, that's what I think fans have to think about, you know, can is this a one-year thing that we need to really enjoy at the moment, or can it be like this for years and years to come? Yeah, I think uh, if you were to put Steve Peichel, if, if you if you if you knew Steve Peichel as a blue chip head coach at one of these programs you just listed, he probably can do it every year for the rest of his life and everything twice about it. I, agree. I think Rutgers, I think Rutgers can be that absolutely because. Dylan Harper isn't the isn't the first, and he's not going to be the last number one player in the country that's from New Jersey. So I and and yes, it, we're we're putting all. It may feel like we're putting our eggs all in one basket in one year. Where I I, I still can't fathom um, my reaction when I found out East Bailey committed. I was just like five star, and then you look at even closer. It's like top five guy. And now he's number two. I genuinely was like, no, nah, somebody wake me up. I don't know where this came from. And it's it's one of those things where this has happened, I feel like, in football, and it hasn't even been five stars. It's been, like, very high three stars, like Saquon Barkley and guys like Jonathan Taylor that we don't know what we just let go by go, them going to another school. But Ace Bailey is, is on the other is, – is, is the complete opposite, where he's more highly rated, recruited everywhere. I'm seeing – I see him on Twitter from random Twitter accounts 
all the time, and he's all in about Rutgers, which is just so encouraging. Yeah. Uh, and I, if I was, and I, I, I played rec basketball. I never played high school basketball. But Steve Peichel has shown one thing that he's committed to his players. He's going to coach you up. And if you play defense, you will find a spot on this team. So, like, that's, these guys obviously know that. And if Rutgers is fortunate enough to land Dylan Harper, and, man, i probably go tonight, go to bed each night, say, say my Hail Marys, and pray that Dylan Harper comes. But it's just seeing those crystal ball predictions that he might be coming is just so encouraging for the future. But I, I understand what you're saying. Like, it's not easy to do this every year. When we saw what happened when – the last time I can remember a recruiting class like this, now there's been plenty, but I think about Duke's class with Zion, RJ Barrett, and uh, I'm forgetting the other guy, Cam Reddish, those three guys. They had others. Yeah, like, Trey Jones that, was in that, that class. That still wasn't enough to get to the Final Four. Not saying we Rutgers can't do that, but it, it's like you, you take these kids who are young, take, top, t- take three of the top five kids, and it still might not be enough to get where we want to go. But I do think it's building a foundation for the program. We have the backing of the athletic department, it feels. I always don't want – I don't want the rack of Jersey Mike's Arena to necessarily get renovated, but I want there to be more seating because if we can get that place even I louder agree. than it is – it I, and maybe it's me being selfish as a fan, being like, we're the ones that have done this, not Steve Peichel. But I think the environment that you get at the, at the rack, sorry, the Jersey Mike's arena, each home game, whether it's a Tuesday night or Sunday afternoon, it, it makes a difference. It's, it's, it's one of the most fun experiences that I can go imagine. Now, whether we lose the game or win the game, there are swings in the game where the fans truly, you feel the environment, you feel the atmosphere just lift up. And I think that goes over to the way that the, the players and the recruits are seeing how the fans interact with the program. So not, not saying credit to us, the fans, for making this happen, but if we continue to buy in and do what we need to do in terms of NIL and just showing our support, and I think it's twofold. I think if, if we stay by in and Steve Peichel stays by in, it could be more than just a one-year thing. And I'm I'm very excited to see what happens with Dylan Harper because if we get that foundation this year, I think it's going to set a nice – because. You know, then if we're just landing four stars, oh, poor us. But, like, that makes a difference. If we just have top 25 recruiting classes with Steve Pike at the at the helm, I'm excited to see what can happen with this program. And that's the thing, the, the staying power, right? And, again, not to rain on anyone's parade, but kind of just the reason I'm bringing up the question. Um, a little early, again, Dylan Hart, you don't want to celebrate until the pen hits the paper um, when it comes to this stuff, especially when you're fighting against Duke trying to get a recruit which Rutgers is doing right now, based seeming as the top two. You know, you look at even last year's class, 2023, Gavin Griffiths comes in, great piece, going to be a really nice player, should start right away. And Rutgers realistically needs him to, you know, average 12 and 6 in his first year just to for, you know, for them to be competitive, for them to, you know, fight for the NCAA tournament again. You know, but the class overall was ranked 68th when it, when you look at 24-7 sports. Yeah. Um, you know, a couple of years ago, they were in the hundreds. You know, I think it was 2021. They were ranked 105. So this is just really, really uncharted territory. And as exciting as it is, you got to see that staying power. You know, when I when I tweeted that, I was thinking of Villanova um, on a different in a different level, meaning obviously they made the final four a couple of years ago. Jay Wright retires. They were mediocre last year, missed the tournament. Kyle Neptune had one of the top I believe they were fourth again I would have to look that up the fourth best recruiting um, transfer class excuse me they really loaded up on transfers you know experienced guys and Villanova is expected to be you know back near the top of the country a little bit back in the top 20 but at the end of the day Villanova fans 
you want to see can he do that year after year. You know, you're happy about that he did it the one year, but can he be successful doing it year after year, whether it be recruiting or in the transfer portal? And I look at Rutgers kind of the same way. You know, you landed this great class. If Dylan Harper comes, they're going to be easily the number one class in the country. So is there staying power year after year? And I agree with you. I think there is because of just the head coach, his commitment, the facility, and all it takes is one class, which Rutgers would be the 2024 class, to show other top recruits for years to come that, you know, this is a a place, a desirable place that players want to come to. Yeah, and I also got to give credit to the the assistant coaching staff as well, Brandon Knight, all those guys. They clearly are doing a good job. Like, yes, C. Pike was the head guy, but I think that we have truly one of the best maybe the one, one of the most underappreciated staffs top to bottom in the country. We, you know, some of the names people might not be familiar with, but, you know, if you had to ask me if I would rather, and, you know, this isn't a shot at Duke by any means. They've made their, they've, they, they've proven that they're a blue blood and one of the best programs in the history of college basketball. But give me Steve Peichel over John Sarr any day of the week. I do not care. I, I want Peichel. I, I just, that's, the, that's our guy. I don't know what we have to do to keep him there. It seems like we've already shown our commitment. Um, but, you know, I think that, I think I think one of the I think something that can answer our questions is, is this uh, where's the staying power regarding recruiting and all of this. Think about how we felt when we found out the Rutgers was losing uh, Cam Spencer. That was like devastating news. I was supposed to go to a I did go to this wedding on Friday. Like I couldn't look at anybody in the eye just knowing that like Cam Spencer left after the transfer. Whatever whatever happened, all the circumstances. I was devastated. I mean, this was a guy who as much as he was uh, effective on offense, was also a tremendous defender, like a perfect Steve Peichel type of guard. And to lose him, and then we lose Paul Mulcahy, it's like, who's going to be playing? Obviously, Derek Simpson's on the team, all these other young guys, but it's like, crap, where are we going to go with this program? Like, what if Cliff doesn't come back? Like, what are we going to do? What if Mag's not healthy? And then there's all these rumors that, like, someone else is leaving on Twitter. And then we keep hearing more and more about we land uh, – uh, Summer, uh, Lathan Summer, Summerfield, or, uh, forgetting his name right now, the, the four star center. Yep. Uh, and then, and then we keep hearing positive things about Dylan Harper. It's like things were supposed to be trending poorly for us. Then we start lending all these transfers and things start going up. Like Steve Michael did not lose focus. It sounds like, uh, and this is all based on speculation on Twitter when there was a, uh, a, a supposed player on the West Coast that wasn't happy with his new school and wanted to return. You know, Steve Peichel was, was I'm not saying that this was anybody on, on, on Rutgers that, that was that we were talking about, but Steve Peichel was focused on the mission. It was next man up. How are we going to do this? Uh, Derek Simpson, are you ready to take control of this offense? Noah Fernandez, are you going to show him how to do it? And all these other transfers that we got, the two Williams. Like, I think things trended could have trended down for a while going into the season, going into the beginning of football season too, and people forget about basketball, but no, we're still talking about it. Things are trending up. And I think recruiting is going to hopefully follow through with that. So Steve Peichel has a plan, has a mission. Maybe it's not the number one and number two guys every year that we get, but you know, seeing that we're five stars are visiting campus is just, I, 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 it's so, it feels so new. Now, like you said, is, is a visit enough? I think that might've been what your, your tweet said. Um, Obviously, yeah, no. fan, fans didn't just, like to see that one. Yeah, uh, and you know, fans can feel however they want. It's fine, whatever. Um, especially Rutgers basketball fans; they seem to be very, very sensitive. But maybe it's because they were watching it when things were we were losing to produce sixty points, and they they earned their right to feel that. Oh, way. absolutely! Listen, the Mike Rice years, just all the stuff that Rutgers basketball has been through. So I get it. The, yeah. And the one class is, you know, it's great, but again, it's staying power and. Um, 
I agree about the transfer portal and really Jeremiah Williams because he's not going to get, you know, unlikely he's going to get granted that uh, waiver to play right away. So he's going to feel like a piece entering in the 2024 class when, you know, he's going to have a year in the system. So he's going to be even better. And then obviously Austin Williams is going to help right away. But, you know, Jersey Mike's Arena is, is one of the keys. And I agree. It needs to be renovated. You know, they definitely need to upgrade. But. I, hopefully they don't lose that feel because there's just so there's not a lot of seats, but it makes so much noise. I don't know if it's the way it's built or you know the crowd's right on top of the uh, the court, obviously. But as long as they don't lose that home that home court advantage, at, while adding some more seats into the place, you know I think it, it, it would be a win win. But that'd be that'd be devastating, a real bad situation if Rutgers loses that home court advantage. Yeah, and one one more thing I think I like to allude to is. When, when I really started to feel Rutgers changing was when we had the recruiting class of uh, Harper, McConnell, and uh, uh, Montez Mathis, those three guys. They all played as freshmen. They might have all started as well. Maybe maybe not uh, McConnell, but I'm pretty sure Mathis and, and Mathis and Harper started. And the way that those guys were able to play, and, it, and the recruiting ranks, if I remember correctly, went Mathis, McConnell, Harper. And I think by the end end of the their tenure at Rutgers, obviously Mathis transferred. It was kind of flipped. We saw Harper, McConnell. Harper and McConnell were great, but I would put Harper above McConnell. And then Mathis obviously transferred and kind of fell 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 off the starting wagon towards the end of his his time at Rutgers. Like it. It, it sometimes doesn't matter with with Peichel. It doesn't need to be the flashy five star. Like he can take a guy that's in the in the well hundreds of recruiting and turn him into one of the an all Big Ten type of player. So I I, I want I want us to land five stars, but I, as long as we have Peichel, to me it's like if he gets the guy that he wants, like Derek Simpson for example, it doesn't. It, to me, it doesn't matter. The, the five star it makes it makes makes me a lot happier, but it's also kind of sad knowing that. You know, if Dylan Harper is, if we're fortunate enough to land him, you know, we're going to be watching him more in the NBA than we were at, at Rutgers or at the rack. So I understand what you were saying where we need, we need to sustain this, but as I think the most, the most important thing to Rutgers basketball sustainability is, is Pykel and, and trusting that he, trusting to give him the, give him, get, have him control the wheel and just, just go for the ride because he clearly, clearly knows what he's doing. But yeah, I mean, I can't wait until, uh, fall November 2024 when we get to see Ace Bailey on the court and hopefully Dylan Harper. But it's crazy to think that we're talking about the one and two player in the country uh, potentially being at Rutgers at teammates. But you know they've they've teamed up already in the offseason playing together, so it might not be that new to us if you've watched some of those clips. Absolutely, you know, hey, part of the job got to stir the pot a little bit. So I'll uh, yeah, got to get those clicks. Got to get the clicks. Got to got to get got to get eyeballs on the screen. So listen, that's all I was doing. I'll take. Uh, I'll take that one on the chin, but that's all the time we got here on the Banks of the Raritan podcast. We'll be back next week where we're going to break down. We'll go a little deeper into the schedule maybe next week, looking ahead um, to see what we got going on there. Um, maybe talk some some picks, some gambling. I don't know if you're a gambler. We'll look up some totals, see what we got, um, and then take a dive around the Big Ten kind of like we did. But a lot of great stuff coming, and we get to look forward to some action um, starting on the 26th, some week zero games, and then the Big Ten starting the next week. So the best time of the year is right around the corner for us. Definitely. Can't wait. Looking forward to it. Absolutely. So until next time, guys.